0: Praise God. Today we're going to talk about truth. We're going to talk about truth and how important it is for us Christians to realize what the truth is in God. Of course, God is truth. With the summer drawing to a close, as I said, vacation's done with pretty much. And in looking at getting focused again, we need to think about what is it that God considers to be truth. You ask yourself, does the sun shine even when it's cloudy outside? And the answer would be yes. Of course, the truth is that, yes, the sun does shine even though when it appears to be cloudy. Is the earth round and is it not flat? Of course, the truth is yes. Is God who he says he is? Is God who he says he is? And, of course, the answer to that is truth. But the question is, do we as Christians always believe the truth? Now, what is truth? What is truth? And knowing and asking that question, what is truth? It's a very, very simple question. And to the unbeliever, answering it is not so simple, however, because with the unbeliever, the unbeliever can offer definitions of truth like truth is that which conforms to reality, fact or actuality. And we know from today's current events that reality, fact and actuality can mean different things to different people. We see the truth being redefined every single day, depending on who you're talking to. But this basic definition is not complete because its definition is open to interpretation and a wide variety of applications. So it's not that simple. So what is reality? What is fact? The only reality for us believers in Jesus Christ, who has Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the only reality for us believers is God's reality. So how do we know what this reality is? Let's go to 2 Timothy. How do we know what this reality is? And what is truth? 2 Timothy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What is truth? 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Especially in today's age, if you listen to what's going on in the world and you'll hear a truth spouting from someone's mouth and they'll say, this is the truth. You listen to someone else and they'll say, this is the truth. So how do we know what truth really, really is? So starting in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Underline that, please. Despisers of those that are good. The Lord knows we see that happening today. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort, of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Underline verse seven, please. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we see here that the falling away is predicted. They said that it would come, and we certainly see that happening today. There are more and more people that are just not attending church, and even there are people that are attending church that are attending church um, uh, in a fashion that they're not really getting the truth because they're they're going to church for all of the wrong reasons, or the church that they're going to is not even speaking the truth. They're coming up with all sorts of man's concepts of what is right and what is wrong, man's concept of what is godly even. So we see here, here that, that there, there is a falling away. But the operative verse there is verse number seven forever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Man is advancing in science. I mean, we were down in Disney uh, last week, and just looking at the way that whole that whole uh, um, uh, studio, Universal City and so on like that, just looking at how that was built, I mean, and the knowledge and whatnot that goes behind the tech that is in, in that place. We see that man can travel to the moon and far reaches beyond, and, I mean, just boggling the mind with what man has been able to do with science, going into the depths of the ocean, but yet still never, ever coming to know the knowledge of the truth. So today we're going to discuss exactly what is that truth. The same way that you believe that God is God and that the sun shines, you must also recognize the truth. One truth deals with God's Holy Spirit. One truth deals with God's Holy Spirit. One truth is that we need to realize that when we are in church and we're in the sanctuary and we're doing praise and worship, one truth is that God is there. The word of God says that where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. So that is a truth. Whether you physically see Jesus Christ or not, the fact that the truth is that God said that he is there, that means that he is there. When we go before him and we're worshiping him during praise and worship, the truth of the matter is, is that God is here present with us. And we need to get our heads and our minds focused into that, as especially as we move forward into these turbulent times that are ahead of us. The truth is that God is indeed with us, and that when we worship him, we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, But man will be forever learning, but never coming to that knowledge of the truth. People will come and sit in the church and just thinking, well, I'm here to put in my two hours, you know, for the week with God. And and that's I'm going to hear some man or some woman stand up and speak and we're going to sing some songs and then that's it. They don't think about the truth of the fact is that God, our very holy God, is here with us during that time, especially. One truth in reality is that God wants us to walk in the spirit. This always sounds so far out there when you say to use the term, oh, I'm walking in the spirit. Or you need to walk in the spirit. That sounds like, you know, like, like we're some kind of crazy people. It sounds strange, you know, like we're talking about about walking around in some spiritual nature, some twilight zone thing. And it sounds so far out there when you talk about walking in the spirit. But the truth is that God wants us to walk in the spirit. The truth is, is that the Holy Spirit really, really exists. He's really there. Whether you see him, feel him, hear him, or, or, or whatever, the Holy Spirit is really there. That is the truth. It doesn't mean that we are walking around in a fog or unaware of what is going on in our surroundings. So what does it mean to be walking in the Spirit? Well, today I'm going to give you seven, seven suggestions uh, um, to aid and to assist you in walking in the Spirit. All right. To start with, life in the Spirit is a journey. Life in the Holy Spirit is a journey. And while there are many great scriptures that discuss the role and person of Holy Spirit, Romans 8 is perhaps one of the most insightful chapters in the Bible, books in the Bible. Uh, here are seven suggestions that will fuel a passion for the things of the Spirit and further educate you on how to live a life directed by Him. So let's start by going to Romans 8. Romans chapter eight. One of the things that that I've been been seeing and experiencing and feeling in my spirit is that there are many, many Christians that really don't realize the truth and realize the fact that in our process of worshiping God, our God is a very, very holy God. And he wants us to 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 be one with him. He wants us to be in connection with His Holy Spirit. He wants us to be to be guided by. He wants us to know His Holy Spirit. You see, but so many times this is why this this is why you know some years ago I I stopped calling uh, uh, um, Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit because to me that that in uh, uh, impersonalizes Him if that's if that's such a word it does not make Him personal. We we talk uh, we talk about God we call Him God we don't say the God we talk about Jesus we don't say the Jesus but when it comes to the Holy Spirit we say, the Holy Spirit. So just in my own vocabulary, I always, even when I'm reading Scripture, and even the Scripture says the, the Holy Spirit in some cases, but I say Holy Spirit because I want to, to know and speak to Him and think of Him personally, more personally. Okay? So God wants us to know him and wants us to walk in His Spirit. So Romans chapter 8, and starting with verse number 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are, which are, which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Underline that, please. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Walking after the flesh includes, includes thoughts of the mind, uh, infirmity, bondage, fear, and things like that that deal more with us on a carnal nature. But after the, the spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay, so underline that please, who walk not after the flesh, but after after the spirit. Amen. Now there's no shortcut to learning how to walk in the spirit, okay? There's no shortcut to it. This isn't something that you can um, attend, you know, some organization or go someplace to some meetings or whatever where they, they can they can teach you, you know, to walk in the spirit, you know, along with those, you know, supernatural schools and those healing rooms and all that kind of stuff. You know, stay away from the, you know, this is something that God and Holy Spirit can 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 if teaches the right word can lead you, I should say, lead you into doing. There's no shortcut to learning how to walk with the spirit. It is not just for ultra ultra spiritual people. Nor is it reserved for charismatic Christians, as they call us. Walking in the Spirit is the central metaphor for describing what it means to live as a Christian. Walking in the Spirit is the central theme for how we should be living as a Christian. Walking in the Spirit isn't something that we should say. We should be thinking to ourselves, "Oh yeah, now like like let me walk in the Spirit." Okay, you know, walking in the Spirit should be um, as you uh, as, as you are leaving your house to go and get into your car and going to work. You should be thinking in terms of, Holy Spirit is with me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Okay? You're going into the store to buy something and you, you, you can't find it on the shelves. It's like, Holy Spirit, where is that item? Where is that item? Okay? Okay? looking for the keys to this building today that I had couldn't misplaced and went back home and was going nuts and looking at my watch, wondering, gee whiz, the clock is ticking. Where are these keys? Where are these keys? And I prayed, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me where those keys are. And I was led right down, back out of the house to my car, to where they were inside of one of my briefcases. There they were. Because I was at Wits and I was already in vision. Now, what am I going to do if we can't get in the building, etc.? So what I'm saying to you is that walking in the Spirit is not something that you say... Okay, today I'm going to walk in the spirit. Okay, now I'm going to walk in the spirit. this is a part of our lifestyles as a Christian. This is a truth. This is the truth. Okay? Okay. The person who walks according to the Spirit will in fact have the essence of a God filled life. Now, picking up in Romans five, moving on, <clears throat> Romans five says that for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So if you underline the word mind and if you have room in your in your uh, Bible, there in your margin, write "care for." So in other words, for they that are after the flesh do care for the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So in other words, for, the, for other words, words for if you're walking in the flesh, if you're the kind of person who doesn't even consider a, a life of walking in the spirit, the things that are important to you, the things that you care about, are those fleshly things. Oh, how big is my bank account? Or you know, how nice are my clothes? Or what kind of car do I? I drive, you know, what kind of, you know, how many houses do I have? Not that anything is wrong with wanting a decent bank account and having a nice car and a nice house. But the things that a person cares for are those things that they almost lust after, that they covet. Okay, that's walking after the flesh. Walking after the spirit is different from that. It is contrary to that. It is, it is just the opposite. So for they that are after the flesh do mind or care for the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. You know, one little litmus test for yourself could be what's important to you. What's important to you. You know, are the things of this world, you know, accomplishments or or, or, or items, things that you can grasp and possess, is that really, 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 really important to you? Because then you may be walking after the flesh and not walking after the spirit. You see, so that's something that we need to think about. The question, how does one, the question, how does one overcome the pull of the flesh? That sounds like an old riddle. How does one overcome the pull of the flesh or walking in the flesh? It almost sounds like an old, old riddle that goes, how can someone extract all of the air out of a drinking glass? How can you get all of the air out of a drinking glass? The most direct way to get all of the air out of a drinking glass is by filling it with something else. (laughs) Not rocket science. But you try and get all the air out of a glass, it's pretty much a fruitless task. You cannot get it done. But how can you get it it done? You put something else in that glass, and I guarantee you the air will go out. That's the most direct way of getting it, getting it out. You cannot extract, you cannot pull out thoughts that displease God from your mind. Okay? You simply cannot pull those thoughts out. Like this allusion to the riddle says, you know, how can you get extract out of the air? How, How can you extract air out of a glass? You cannot simply extract... Well, any thoughts that are displeasing to God, you cannot simply pull them out. You need to be filled up with thoughts. You need to replace those thoughts with something else. Indeed, with an entire mindset, you need to replace your mindset. You simply can't just pull those thoughts out of your mind because it simply does not work. That's operating towards the things of the Spirit okay th- th- that includes things that are worldly behaviors like breaking man's law and those who are always looking to beat the system you know by lying or by doing something else I had someone say to me one time well you know I one thing I always you know me you know I gotta beat the system I gotta beat the system. believe me that is not a way to live life because there's no such thing as beating the system you wind up paying one way or another telling half truths you know or, or cheating just to desire to achieve a desired goal or an outcome so so that those thoughts that are in your mind that it might be displeasing to God, you can't just simply go and just pull them out. They've got to be replaced with something else. Go to, go to Romans 6 here. For to be carnally minded, or fleshly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Because the carnal mind is enmity, okay, it's at odds with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be so in other words, if you're a person that, is, that, that, that lives a life that is, is carly minded, you are always minding the things of the flesh those material things, let's say let let's say that is, is against God, and if your mind is like that, then no way can you become to know God, it is because it is not your mind is not subject to the law of God so therefore you cannot know the things of God, so, so you see, so that the they're at odds with one another. It also says here in verse number 8, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Simple as that. Please underline. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. For you, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That is truth. If so, be that Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is that same Holy Spirit that is in you. That is a truth. That is a truth. Whether you understand it, whether you want to accept it or not, that is a fact. If you are a born-again child of God and you accepted Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior, and you're doing your daunders not to have thoughts that are displeasing God and you're walking in the Spirit, that's the same Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ. That is the same Holy Spirit that is in you. That is a matter of fact. And it will also quicken your mortal bodies, okay, that dwells in you. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, You are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you shall, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. The person who has been regenerated by the Spirit is a person that is not stuck in sin. By the Spirit, the pull of the flesh can be resisted. To put to death the deeds of the body is pretty much the same thing as saying no to sin. To put together the deeds of the body is pretty much the same as saying no to sin. However, unlike the anti-drug campaign, which is which is among the youth so many years ago, many years ago, the, anti, the anti-drug campaign against against uh, uh, drugs among youth, where it always said, just say no, just say no. Well, saying no by itself, in what we're talking about, will never be successful. You can't simply say no. Just saying no will never allow you to consistently overcome sin. Then what must you do? You must say no by the Spirit. Okay? So, in other words, we are not strong enough to just simply saying no, I'm not going to smoke. No, I'm not going to take drugs anymore. Saying no is simply not enough. There's something else that has to be done with the Holy Spirit that is in you. This is why we need to be understand the very, the very profound truth about walking in the Spirit. Because if you want to be victorious, you need the Holy Spirit of God. So now if you continue here in verse number 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Underline the word led. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. The Holy Spirit always leads us broadly. The Holy Spirit always leads us broadly, but sometimes he will lead us more specifically. All right? He always leads us broadly, but sometimes he will lead us more specifically. He always leads us through his written word, which was revealed to the prophets by the Holy Spirit. And you can see that in Second Peter uh, 1, verses 20 and 21. We are to prayerfully, carefully, and humbly apply broad biblical terms and biblical wisdom to the situations we face in our lives. Okay, You can always apply biblical terms in a broad manner to the, to the situations that's in your life because the Holy Spirit will lead us broadly. Sometimes, however, the Holy Spirit leads us directly. Sometimes you get more involved, more directly involved in a way that he is communicating with you even, and he will, will lead you more directly. Holy Spirit can choose to act in any way and according to any timetable that he wishes. He can act in any way and, and according to any timetable that he wishes, wishes. We do not dictate to him how or when we will move. He will move. All right. So Holy Spirit will, will act broadly. And that broadly way of acting could be something that's going on in your life, and the Holy Spirit will direct you to to some scriptures, to the word, and something in the word that will give you some direction. However, as he chooses, he may get more specifically involved in your life and give you some very specific actions or place you on a path, but you cannot dictate when and how that's going to happen. Okay. All right. But by you getting to the point that you are saying to yourself and and, and walking in the spirit and being led by, by 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 the spirit. This is not something that God zaps you with and just has you walking around robotically. You have to make up your mind, so to speak, in your spirit, that I'm going to follow the leading of Holy Spirit. I'm not going to try to settle this by myself. Okay, Lord, Heavenly Father, where are those keys? It was beyond me to be able to find those keys. I looked every possible place that I could that I could think of. The clock was ticking. So I'm taking myself out of that situation and saying, in essence, what I said was that, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I can't find those keys, Lord. Where are those keys? Holy Spirit, guide me. And this is where he specifically, not so much broadly, okay, the broad application of Holy Spirit there was that was that I know that God will guide me. I know that God will supply my needs. I know that God is there. I know that Holy Spirit knows. That's the broad application. Specifically was, Lord, Holy Spirit, where are those keys? And so he got involved and he chose to get and to show me where exactly it was. And that's the same thing Holy Spirit can do in your life regarding all aspects of your life, anything that you're involved with. Anything that you're hoping for, anything that you're praying for, he will be there. But you have to get into the place that you are committing yourself to saying, Holy Spirit, you do the leading. You do the leading, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have my mind filled with other, uh, other carnal or fleshly thoughts or anything else that would, would not be of God. I'm going to replace those thoughts by saying to myself, Holy Spirit, or saying to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I know that you can bring me through this action. I know that you can do it. So Holy Spirit can choose to act in any way and according to any timetable that he wishes. We do not and cannot dictate to him how or when he will move. Since the Bible gives many examples of him acting more specifically, we should anticipate that he will sometimes choose to lead us directly if we are open and available to his guidance. But you've got to be open and available to his guidance. Picking up and reading on from Romans 15. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, and that fear includes things like anxiety, stress, worry, you know, fear of man, fear of situations. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Underline in verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I mean, that's a powerful statement to know that you are an heir to the to the creator of the universe. Without Holy Spirit, we would never know our freedom and identity as God's adoptive children. Amen. Without Holy Spirit, we would never know the freedom that we have or the fact that we are God's adopted children. Thankfully, God has freely given us his Holy Spirit. And these verses from Romans that we're reading display three amazing things that the spirit that the spirit does. He acts as the go between between who takes us out of out of a place of slavery and fear and brings us into a place of adoption and acceptance. We're no longer we're no longer to be walking around feeling that like, gee whiz, you know, my life is pointless. My, my life is, is just a failure. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to succeed. And all of those fears that go along with that, the Holy Spirit has taken that away and has brought us to the point that we have to understand that we are joint heirs with Christ, that we are God's adopted children. We're in the God family. He helps us to cry out to God as father. Number three there, he testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now I'm going to jump down to Romans 22. Let's jump down to Romans 22 here. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. This is what we're all waiting for, the redemption of our physical bodies. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. What a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. We do with patience, wait for it. The biblical concept represented by the English word hope is so strong that it is almost a synonym for eager expectation. To so replace the word hope with eager expectation, it says a lot. We hope for the things that are not seen with an eager expectation that they will come to pass. The things that are not seen are the fact that something that you're praying for right now, you don't see the answer to. But you wait with that eager expectation that it shall indeed come to pass. The things of the future, you don't know what the future holds for yourself, but you you have an eager expectation of what will indeed come to pass because you know that God is going to bring you through. That God is going to bring you to the point that you have been praying for to what you need. God knows your needs. He's Jehovah-Jireh. He, he will surprise, supply all of your needs. So we have this eager expectation, this hope, for the things that are not seen. Okay? Where it says there, why hope for the things that are seen? I mean, that, that's like, a, um, you know, if I've got a $5 bill and I'm handing it to you and it's right there in front of your face, why are you hoping for it when it's right there for your taking? Okay? Hoping for the thing that is not seen is a, say, gee, I wish Mike would pay me back that $5, and you don't see it. Okay? So, all right, all right, and, but yes, so well, I know that he's good for so, therefore, I have this eager expectation that I will get it back. So, those things that are going going on in your life, you know that God knows what is, what is going on, and you're letting Holy Spirit guide you. So, the hope that eager expectation is indeed that, what will, that it shall indeed come to pass. What is the role of Holy Spirit in all of this? Romans eight twenty three it says remember, 8:23 says and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to it the redemption of our of our bodies Paul says that it is because we have the spirit all right Paul says that it is because we have the spirit not despite it that we groan we groan because we have the spirit in this passage, in this scripture, it is precisely the presence of the Spirit within you that causes you to feel this particular kind of suffering. The longing for final redemption in the midst of a fallen world. You see, if you don't have that Holy Spirit that's in you, then then, then, then you don't, um, how can I say, those that have no relationship with Holy Spirit, they do not see that anything is wrong. They don't see anything is wrong with this world, and they're content to live life as it is. you see? you see? But we that have the Holy Spirit, we know that things are wrong. We know that something is not right. We know that what's that, everything that is wrong according to the word these days is right. Know that everything that is right and correct according to the word of God is wrong these days. So it's because of the fact that we have the Holy Spirit in us that we realize that these things are wrong. You see, people that walk around all happy and content and, and, and they just feel like, you know, Now I'm not saying that we should be miserable. What I'm saying is that those that don't have the Holy Spirit, they don't see and perceive that anything is wrong. You see, and it's because of the fact that they don't have Holy Spirit. So, so the good news is, is that if you feel and you know that something is wrong and that something needs to be fixed, then that's the Holy Spirit that's in you. And you should be happy, to the, happy of the fact, in a way, you know, that you're feeling kind of miserable, that you're groaning about it. Um, the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives reminds us of the stark contrast between the wonderful things God has prepared for us who believe and this fallen world that is so full of sin, suffering, and futility. And you see what's going on today. All of those people, the vast majority of those people, they're downright miserable. You can tell it by the things that they say. You can tell by the contradictions that come out of their mouths. You can tell by the actions that they take that make no no sense at all. Going to Romans uh, 26. Likewise, the Spirit who helps, likewise, the Spirit uh, also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what the mind knows, what is the mind of the spirit, because he makes intercessions for the saints, according to the will of God. Amen. He makes intercession for the saints, according to the will of God. These two verses are so rich and are so helpful in our lives in walking in the spirit. They're very helpful. We learn that we are weak when we come to prayer. We often don't know what to pray for in any given situation. You can go to God in prayer and you may not really know what to pray for. There's maybe so much going on in your life. You know, I don't know about you, but I've had some times where I've went, gone to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I don't know where to start. So many things on my mind, so many things on my spirit. Okay? And this is where Holy Spirit comes in. We learn that we are weak when we, come to, when we come to prayer. We often don't know what to pray for in any given situation. The concern, the concern is not about the manner. It's not about the manner of the prayer or the how. It's not about the manner or the how of the prayer, but rather it's about the content of our prayers. It's about the content of your prayers. What do we actually pray about? Okay? It's not the manner or the how. Doesn't matter whether technically, you know, be getting down to whether you're on your knees, whether you're standing, whether you're in your prayer closet or where it's not the matter, but it's the content of the prayer, what we actually pray about. We learn that the Spirit joins to help us when we are struggling to know how to pray by interceding for us with wordless growing. This is where anyone that prays in tongues is such a great benefit because you don't have to search your mind and to pull together physical words to be saying to God. When you let the Holy Spirit, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're letting Holy Spirit do the praying. And the Holy Spirit knows what needs to be prayed for because the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life. And he knows what the content of your prayer is, is all about. He knows what your content of your prayer should be about. The Spirit is searching our hearts and knows that we have a mindset that is focused on him even if we do not know exactly what we are supposed to pray. Again, so so you see, again, it, it's where your spirit is at also. It's like if you know that Holy Spirit is there, And you really don't know what to pray, but you're not approaching it from a carnal, fleshly point of view, so to speak. You're saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, um, 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 uh, touch my spirit, connect with my spirit. This is what I'm troubling about. He knows your feelings. He knows your feelings. But the difference is that you're going to him. You're bringing this to Holy Spirit, and you're not trying to articulate it in English words. The Spirit is searching our hearts and knows that we have a mindset that is focused on him. Do you really focus on Holy Spirit? When you pray, do you take time to actually to actually visualize the fact that you're touching Holy Spirit? Do you actually realize that Holy Spirit is there with you when you are praying? The truth of the matter is that he is. The truth is that he is in you. The truth is that your spirit is one with his spirit, you see? So again, it's how we are approaching it. It's our mindset. The Spirit is searching our hearts and knows we have a mindset that's focused on him. The result is that our prayers are prayed according to the will of God because the Holy Spirit is moving us to pray and is presenting the prayers that he is guiding us to pray to the Father. You see the difference there? The mindset is it's not me doing the prayer, but I'm trying to connect with Holy Spirit. My mindset is I know that Holy Spirit can take the proper words to God the Father, and I'm not trying to do it myself. So therefore, the Holy Spirit will intercede. He will, he will, will speak with God the Father and bring forth the, uh, the words that need to be said, so to speak, to the heart of God. And lastly, all things work together for good to those that love him. That is truth. That is truth. That is truth. All things work together for good to those that love him. So the truth of the matter also is how much do you love God? How much do you love God? All right. If you love God and you realize that everything that he said in his word is indeed true, then this is truth. If you do believe that the truth is that God wants you to, to be walking in his spirit, then this is a truth that is very, very real, and it can benefit benefit you. It takes so much off of your shoulders knowing that you don't have to, to walk this life and do this life that you have all by yourself, that you can simply turn it over to God who knows everything, turn it over to the Holy Spirit who knows everything. He knows everything that's in your life. He knows everything and where it needs to be in your life to come. In the weeks, the months, the days, the years ahead, he knows where they are and when they're going to come. Everything is in his time, okay? So the fact of the matter is us just getting in line with Holy Spirit and walking in him and not trying to do it on your own. Praise God. Praise God. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.